Are you recovered? Has the tryptophane worn off yet? Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Don't you worry. We're going to help out the only way we know how by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Native, Quip, Third Love, and Headspace. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's thankful. We got to be thankful. Right, Christian Spicer? Yeah, tryptophan is the only trip you are allowed to take this Thanksgiving. So hopefully that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no that was the one. But I am thankful and grateful to be here um, and excited for this week's show because, you know, it, the year is ending, but the the game again, the game again rolls on, my friend. If there was ever a time to play, it would be now. Uh, I don't have we time are, to play that. There are too yeah, many games. <laughs> too many games to even play the, the, the jingle. Uh, but luckily, we have an awesome guest to hang out with us, talk about all these games. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because once again, DLC stands for Die, Live, Continue, because... From the Spawn on Me Empire, the podcasting empire, our friend Khalif Adams is with us once again. Hey, Khalif. Fam, thank you so much for having me. Also, now that I have an empire, that means that my tax bracket has jumped in. I mean, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with that. Also, the, the Too Many Games jingle is bloody fire. It is amazing. And it's, just because we finished... It is so good. And just because we finished up with Thanksgiving, my DLC is Delectable Cranberries. Oh, I've I've split the word into two parts and then added the cranberries. Delectable Cranberries. I like that. I like that. I'm saying. I'm saying. Is that your favorite part of the the Thanksgiving meal? The cranberry sauce? Is that your favorite part? Here's the thing. I am very lucky. My one of my one of my best homies who is former games media journalist, Sterling McGarvey. Mm. He makes. Yeah amazing cranberry sauce and he like mm. hot dropped me some cranberry sauce sauce wow. and it was it's so good it's i thought so good. you were wow. gonna say if paris makes it you eat it i thought that's what you're gonna say because you just love everything he cooks I, that's Look. where i thought this was <laughs> <laughs> oh no it was, it was so the- nice to talk to you boys it was really nice to be here this week christian uh, the one thing that was off limits <laughs> uh Khalif dropped fire this last week on twitter you yeah, all you missed stuff. it you can you can find i think some the ribs got cooked and so did somebody else. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about DLC and we're going to talk about Paris, it should be don't like cooking. Because uh, that, that would be what we would wind up flipping that to. Friend of uh, the show. Uh, not really, dude. I, he, tweeted, he tweeted out a list of all the shows that he was on this year and he left us out. And I was like, Ooh, wow. all right, Paris, fine. I, I see how it is. Wow. How it is. He's hey, on the show. To be fair. To be fair, we we love you, Paris. Also, any Freudian slips or like mental hiccups you have between now 
and cyberpunk i get like his brain is already in 2077 i was that way with the last of us too i know where paris is right now and it's not on our timeline so i understand fair enough, he fair is enough. he is in the future for sure for sure all right oh well God. man uh i'm so excited we have, we have so much to talk about so let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with story of the week Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by shooting us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also give us any comments or questions you may have about the show at that email address. We love hearing from you. Or you can head over to our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com where there's a cool community of folks. We also have a Discord at 5 by 5 excuse me, at 5x5dlc uh, on Reddit. Uh, not, I'm still suffering from the trip, trip to fame. 5x5dlc <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Discord is where that community hangs out. So uh, join the folks. Hey, talk about games. Talk about stuff. Khalif. What are the deal You're, with talking about uh, games? Oh, yeah, I don't even Jerry know. Seinfeld came out. Uh, who are all these people? Khalif, uh, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, my goodness. You know, from the folks over at VG247, there was a conversation about the PS4. I'm sorry, the PS4. Wow. That is not 2077. That is both, <laughs> some years back. Uh, the PS5 having an advantage in terms of performance when it comes to some of their launch titles over the Xbox Series X, which I found to be a pretty interesting story to kind of start off the show. And yeah. as something one that, you know, someone who has been playing all these systems and, and having those conversations with people, it is interesting to see that that has been some of the takeaways there yeah um, yeah microsoft was pretty vocal about the series x being the most powerful next gen console uh and you know on paper even though these these boxes really have a lot of the same components in them to be quite honest they have you know they're both powered by amd processors and gpus uh and uh evidently on paper the Series X should outpace the PlayStation 5 performance-wise, but that really hasn't been the case, at least according to Digital Foundry's testing. Uh, they're seeing that games like uh, Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition and Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Dirt 5, these multi-platform third-party titles, seem to be, at least at launch, running a bit better on PlayStation 5 hardware. Uh, so what was your take on that, Khalif? I mean, it's it's an interesting part of the conversation, right? Where I think if you are a new person to next gen, if you have just bought your console and you were in that in that boat where you had to pick one of the other and you wind up going by the conversations that were put out in marketing from the Xbox side of the fence and then you kind of come out of the weeds and come out of the smoke and you're like, wait a minute, why are the games playing better on the other system, even though you said that they are supposed to be the most powerful on yours yeah i think that there are people who are going to kind of scoff at that and and, and some folks are going to say you know what is what happened in between the time that i bought my system and the time that the sure. games came out uh, which is reasonable beef, i think that's a yeah absolutely reasonable oh yeah i think it's super reasonable i i do think though that this then winds up being again one of those conversations uh that, that kind of run down a couple of forks for me one how much of the stuff that we're seeing currently is 
discernible differences that we know and see and feel and can touch, right? Mm -hmm. Second is the conversation around the other hardware that you have that drives these consoles, right? So if if you didn't go out and buy a new beautiful OLED TV with all the bells and whistles, are you actually seeing any of these things in a, in a real way? Right. And then if you are, how much of that actually affects the way that you, you know, you, you come to the games that you play. And I think that that's the, you know, those conversations are going to be really the ones that for me actually matter. I think that, yeah, yeah on paper, Xbox series X is still more powerful than the P than the PS five. But when you wind up going through the nuts and bolts of calibrating your TV and going through, you know, checking to make sure that you're running at whatever you can possibly run it at the highest speeds. Um, how much of that stuff is going to matter? And then how much of that stuff, like we saw with um, AC Valhalla, uh, I think today or, or, or maybe yesterday, they got a patch that then brings it, you know, brings the two versions in, in parity, right? Right. So it's going to be a lot of those conversations where the gearheads are going to say, you know, why well, I got my three more frames than you did, so mine is better. But right. if you didn't, uh, you know, is that discernible enough that you're going to, you know, really go home and, and, and cry about that on the Internet? So I think there's there's a lot of those those layers there to kind of dig through. But it, it will be interesting to see, again, how this translates into what we saw in last gen, which was mm. which companies and thir- especially third party ones are going to be using whatever the lead skew was, which I think was the PlayStation five around this time. I heard dev kits went out earlier for PlayStation fives than they did for the Xboxes. And if that makes it an actual visual difference in the way that those games perform uh, currently. Yeah. So, so a lot, a lot of conversations, a lot of questions that I think Microsoft now has laid at their feet, that they now have to try to figure out good answers for. Uh, right. And then also it's still like a month in. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think that's, the, I think that's really the truth is that a, you know, a lot of this is like, conversations around the launch titles which yeah. you know don't get a second chance to make a first impression but also a lot of this stuff you know by the second wave of third party games is all going to be ironed out because even consoles that we know have had you know years of time baking in the oven they're still coming in hot you know they're still right. they're still arriving on store shelves you know uh, coming in hot especially the verge points out that the Xbox, the Series X and S, uh, they pushed back the beginning of the uh, manufacturing process a little later than PlayStation 5's was to take advantage of some tech that AMD was offering. Uh, the RDNA 2 architecture is what they're theorizing that was because Microsoft mm. isn't saying exactly what it was. But they were saying it was uh, some some last-minute tech that they were waiting on from AMD to get in the boxes. Um, and I do think that a lot of this is going to get ironed out pretty quickly and we won't see any differences, but that doesn't mean it's not interesting to note now. And maybe, you know, the verge is, is theorizing that a lot of this, uh, Xbox lagging behind performance wise is because of what you mentioned, the, the dev kits coming out a little later because they were waiting on that AMD tech, mm. but also, uh, you know, there, there is, this perception in in the community i mean these are big powerful boxes that came out within days of each other so it's it's worth noting like you said if you buy the one because you thought the one is more powerful than the other and you get it home and then there's screen tearing in your assassin's creed valhalla 
it's a little disconcerting and a little, you know, it's a, it, it doesn't feel great. I mean, so if I you've ever had tearing in your Valhalla, then you would not be excited. You- <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do not. You should see a physician immediately if there's tearing in your Valhalla. hey uh, <laughs> uh Not to mention your Ragnaroks, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, <laughs> Christian, uh, do you think this is a, a, um, a mountain out of a molehill or do you think there's something here? I think there's potentially something here. As as you both mentioned, we're still early into it, but I think some of this falls on Microsoft as well. And I think they've done a great job marketing and positioning the Series X and S, especially compared to how the One came out of the gate. I think they're doing a lot right. But I think the reason this is a little bit more of a story than it otherwise would be is because they, as you mentioned, advertise their console as the most powerful. You know, there was uh, this, <laughs> these are the analogies I make. This, this makes perfect sense to me. But there was, I believe it was the 1999 Mustang Cobra. It was advertised as having, I believe, 320 horsepower. And that was like the thing, because I think that was like two more than the Z28 or the SS back then. And it was like horsepower wars, right? Like this is, we have 320 and then people got it. And they were like, oh, they took it to dinos and it wasn't. And so that's when it's an issue, right? If my, If they just said like, our most powerful Xbox ever or get the Xbox Series X to take advantage of Game Pass and play games better than in Xbox games better than you have, blah, 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 blah. But when they're positioning it as X, huh? Then you're <laughs> going to invite these comparisons. You know, they're going to have the, I don't get why this has these flops and it's not getting the whatever and it's not getting the whatever. And then that's when people want to break it down, whether or not they perceive it or, or not, as Cleef mentioned. Um, I, I think the issue is, people want to want the thing to be the thing that it's advertised as. And I think we will see this ironed out. I think it's interesting, kind of a little follow-up to this, that with the patch for Valhalla, it seems like at least as of when we're recording this or when I looked into it an hour before we recorded this, like it did seem to fix issues on the Xbox series X and S and it maybe made the PlayStation five version <laughs> worse. Parody. <laughs> Parody. Parody. Like, micro, like, will you notice? Can you notice? Like, I don't know, but that's not the issue is, you know, if these things are changing, but uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of that. I, I think to me, my biggest kind of personal takeaway or what I try to remember is, there were very few games that blew me away visually last generation, like God of War. Mm. And I played that on a base PlayStation 4. At the same time, I had an RTX 2070 Super in my computer. Right. Like, my computer, far more powerful. Far right. more powerful. Maybe I didn't Maybe I didn't have the Super then. Maybe my timeline's not quite right. But regardless, my computer was way more powerful. But you have a game that's optimized and built for a thing. It's going to look amazing. Red Dead Redemption 2, one of the most beautiful games last gen, no matter what console you played it on. Uh, I don't know. So I think that's where we're going to see this stuff. But I understand the complaints. I think they are legit, uh, especially when it's advertised as the the most powerful. That's like a big part of it. But I hope it gets ironed out quickly, and I, I think it will. I think there will still be a few you know, bugs along the way and games that aren't optimized as best as they could be. But I think for the most part, we will see things humming along here pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I'm one of those people that was specifically got Assassin's Creed Valhalla for Xbox because I assumed the Series X was going to be the the biggest and baddest of the of the biggest and bad boys. Uh, and I was I was very bummed by the by the tearing. I will also say that having played a whole bunch of it today 
after the patch, boy, the improvement is dramatic. Uh, huh. I think the game looks a lot better and the frame rate seems rock solid. When you choose, it has now uh, the option of performance or fidelity, which, you know, in the last couple of episodes, I've been speculating that developers might not keep those options in for the end user, but it seems like it's kind of catching on, at least in these first few titles. And maybe it will be the kind of thing that sticks around for this entire generation where you get to select between performance or fidelity. I, I, I was predicting that we will see that option removed. And as developers get their handle around these, these architectures, that they'll stop allowing that choice with the end user and they'll just make the choice that works best for their games but maybe not, you know, maybe, I mean, this was patched into Assassin's Creed Valhalla to allow people that option. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if that persists or not. It's so funny uh, that you said that too, because I was playing Valhalla on my, on my Xbox Series X in performance mode for most of the time that I was, that I've been playing it and then switched it over to, to quality. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it runs worse, which it's right. which is kind of supposed to, you know, air quotes run worse. But we'll get to a point where that, like you said, is not going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the, the console wars are, I guess, still a thing and people want to know. And I think that, you know, at least it's interesting that Microsoft put out a statement, or at least Phil Spencer spoke to it and said, hey, you know, we we recognize that there are some games that are not as optimized as they should be. And we got our handle or we got our eyes on that and we're going to try to fix it. So I think it's the kind of thing that's going to get patched as, as things continue. And it's a lot of these titles as always happens with new hardware is stuff comes out and it's, you know, they're all trying to get it out before the holidays and in time for the launch of these consoles and the consoles were coming in hot and everything was coming in hot. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's patches and patches and patches. So it's just the way video games are now, but um, still, still a very interesting thing and if if this you know if this trend continues i think that's going to be interesting and there's going to be still these differentiators between the systems and i also think you know that it's a much bigger deal from microsoft's point of view because they don't have the miles morales of the world you know they are kind of relying on the big third-party games to be their launch titles at least Mm -hmm. uh right now so uh it, it is more important i think for them to be the place to play assassin's creed and the like because that's what they've got right now. You know? <laughs> so, uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? Uh, what's your story of the week? Yes, I want to start with this story about Phil Spencer talking about the Xbox app potentially coming to smart TVs. And then I want to include in part of that with you two gentlemen an idea about media ownership. So I'll set up the actual thing and then we'll kind of move into air quote media ownership. I think it's potentially relates. So he'd mentioned it before and talked about it before, this idea of an Xbox app or maybe like a cheap kind of um, streaming thumbstick style uh, Chromecast, Roku style cheap device that will get you Xbox on your TV. And now talking with The Verge, Phil Spencer talked about within the next 12 months, I think he should say, I should add, he said, I think, which is a you know nice, beautifully phrased caveat that allows you to be like, I don't know, it's, uh, things change. <laughs> um <laughs> But he said he thinks in the next 12 months that we'll see an Xbox app for smart TVs. And I think the point that I think now, the point that I think is interesting is where he talked about, you know, a TV. It was a CRT that kind of threw an image onto a piece of glass. Like that's all it was. Now, what we call a TV is no more a TV than a phone is a phone. 
You know, it is a fancy computer that is in the place where we used to put TVs. Like it has all (laughs) of the stuff, (laughs) streaming capability, apps, uh, Android TV, uh, Apple TV integration on some devices. And it's like all of these things that is, it is a phone or a TV or a computer or whatever it is, this connected device. So Phil talking about how the possibility for them having something that allows for xCloud to be native on your TV is coming soon is something that really excites me. So I want to get, Khalif, your take on on that. And if you think that is an entryway for more gamers or just a nice to have. And then, Jeff, I want to get your thoughts on it. And then I want to go into the media ownership thing. But Khalif, do you think this is like, if this is true and you can buy the... Um, Samsung, whatever the, the, you know, whatever TV, Sony, what I guess the, would it be on a Sony TV? That's interesting. Uh, yeah, bundled right. with a Netflix button and an Xbox button. Is this a, is this a game changer or do you think like that, that streaming future bundling still isn't enticing enough? Well, it really depends on how many teraflops my TV has. So that's the first thing I have to figure out is the most powerful TV, (laughs) TV generation known to man. Um, I I think this is what Phil has been trying to do in the Xbox team and Microsoft for the past seven years. So this totally makes sense in terms of the, again, ecosystem versus system conversation that we see within the next gen space. And from those two companies in particular and Sony and Microsoft, that this is just the next layer of the we want to be everywhere that you possibly can play a game. And it just makes sense. Like, I, I think this is brilliant from a yeah. Microsoft perspective. I am actually super excited for this. It is a it is also a very weird um, layer to the conversation if you just heard this, but then you also just bought a console <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> you're like, wait, what? Wait, you, what? You, you, you what? I can get hundred watts on what? They said for right. a while though, Phil has said for a while that the best way to play their games is with the box under your TV. Right. But there's all these yeah. other, so like as an advent cloud, uh, gaming advocate, I am a big fan, but it is not the same. I've had very good experiences. I've played games exclusively via various cloud services, but it is not the same as playing on the device. Um, but yes, th- I think that's the biggest kind of argument against it is like, or I don't know which way for, but like, <laughs> you, is it good enough to not need this box? That's going to be the thing. I mean, that's going to be the thing that pulls it from this being a really interesting and, and, and honestly game changing device or addition to the family of devices that Microsoft wants you to have or not have. Uh, which is which is kind of amazing to think about. But it is one of those things where you do have that option now where if you, you know, if this comes to fruition and it becomes an actual thing to say, well, oh, that second TV that I that I never really paid attention to is going to also be a place where I can go play games. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, is this going to be a thing that anything that has a screen in a USB port or USB C port that I'll be able to plug this thing in. So will I be able to play Xbox games on my Samsung fridge? Or, <laughs> yes. you, know, you know what I mean? Yes. Like to a certain and, extent, that's well, awesome if, though. If it's there, I mean, why isn't it on computer also? Right. right? Like, yep. well, that's, I think honestly what you're seeing is them just following that Netflix uh, template. They want to be as ubiquitous as Netflix 
And mm-hmm. the idea, I know when nobody's traveling anymore r- right now, so it's hard to imagine a world where we are, but the idea of like checking into a hotel and having an, a TV, turn on the TV and it's got an Xbox app and you can play all your Xbox games. No, I, mean, that, I want that, that N64 controller still hooked up. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea, I mean, think of all of how ubiquitous Netflix is, how it's just on everything and you kind of just expect it to be on everything. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a Netflix app and a Amazon prime streaming app on my TV. I tend to still use my Roku to watch those things, but I can just use my television and I expect it to be on my television. And I think that's the roadmap for Microsoft is they want that Xbox app and that game pass subscription to be as, ubiquitous to be as just expected as netflix right netflix is everywhere it's completely ingrained in our consumption habits we just expect it to be on everything device agnostic yep Mm -hmm. exactly i think that's exactly what xbox is aiming to be at some point and yes there are some technical hurdles but there were with netflix too i mean i remember living through that we were sponsored by netflix in the early days of the Totally Rad Show back in 2007, and we were advertising it as a get a disc in the mail service, right? Right. They they evolved into the place they were and had to overcome a lot of technical limitations. And there was a time when streaming something, streaming a movie to a thing was not easy. And you probably had a lot of... I mean, I remember people complaining about the idea of streaming movies because the quality was bad. There was times when it would need to... um, Buffer buffer exactly you'd have buffering mm-hmm. it's just all been conquered by tech right and that's what's going to happen i think with games as well we're just not quite there but i think him talking about like in the next 12 months these apps starting to appear is laying the groundwork for where they're headed and i think that's a pretty awesome vision of the future from a gamer's perspective so it rolls into the second part of this conversation i think is interesting so how I came to it is over this kind of Thanksgiving break. I was sitting around looking at my little knickknacks and I had this thought of like, huh, I'm too old for this to make me any money. And so I will share this, this <laughs> secret. I, I thought, huh, I wonder if in 30, 40 years, a sealed, unopened, like water rated 10 or whatever, season one of Daredevil on DVD will be worth a pretty penny. Because right, there won't the, be DVDs, <laughs> but there won't be, and no one bought it because it was just on, you know, like who bought it, right. who, who owns that, who kept it sealed. It was a weird collectible, but also like, how long is Daredevil going to be on Netflix? Like, mm. and then it just goes like, I, I wonder if the idea of owning media in the grand scheme of things is actually going to be a very small blip on the the timeline that is media, like. My parents, you know, they went to a movie. They watched a TV show. If they missed it, they could maybe watch it in the summer during reruns. To play a video game, you put a quarter in, then you walked away. When your arcade didn't have it anymore, you didn't have it anymore. This idea of like owning it, keeping it, having it whenever you want it is a relatively new thing. And I wonder if the technology has just kind of moved past that where, as I was thinking about buying Daredevil season one on Blu-ray or DVD to keep in a box because I'm dumb. (laughs) 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 <laughs> to keep in a box and put it in a box to give to my kids 30 years from now. Um, I was also re-upping my Game Pass Ultimate subscription because the cards were like dirt cheap around Black Friday. And I was thinking like, I'm going to play so many games from Game Pass that I will never own. And games come in and out of Game Pass. 
and how do I feel about that? Like, I, I this game is still in it. I don't know, but like two years from now, four years from now, and I want to play Streets of Rage four. Will I be okay being like, oh, it's not there anymore? Buying it or like Game Pass only games. So I'm curious, Jeff, because you kind of talking about it with Netflix, like. You don't own a lot of physical media. I imagine you're not less of, less. Of, of movies, especially. And I imagine you're not buying them. Like Ted Lasso, great show. Mm-hmm. Do you want to own that? Or are you just okay with it? And then by extension games, are you just okay paying $60 to experience Assassin's Creed Valhalla? And then 24 months from now, it goes away. I'm not proud of this answer, but the answer is Yeah. I, I, I've kind of come to a post ownership perspective, uh, in my life. And I, I understand there's going to be a lot of angry people sending me emails about how that is anti-consumer christian.spicer at gmail.com. Send them there. Cause I want to read them. I want to, I want to live off those tears. <laughs> I'm just being honest about how I feel because I, I'm not somebody that really has reread a lot of books. I love reading, but there's always another book I want to read. There's always another book I haven't read yet. And I have the memory of reading, even if it fades and I don't remember the specifics, there's been a couple of books here and there I've reread, but there's always another book I want to read. And that's how it is now with movies. When I was younger, I would rewatch the same movies over and over again. But now when time is at a premium in my life, there's always a movie I want to watch that I haven't seen always a show that I need to catch up on that. I haven't watched. I love Ted Lasso. I don't know that I will need to rewatch Ted Lasso at any point. I, and I'm just speaking for myself. It tends to be the case for me that I am always excited about the next thing. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a particularly healthy perspective. I don't, I don't think that that's good or better than any other perspective. I just, that's just, I'm honest with who I am that, you know, I'm more excited about the next God of War than I am about replaying the great God of War that I got. Because not only is there another God of War coming, but there's 28 exclusive, <laughs> there's, you know, 2,800 other games that came out between this, the last God of War and the next God of War <laughs> that I won't have time to play either that people are talking about that are amazing, right? So I'm not. I'm not the guy that's going to go back and um, pull out my old copy of Mario Galaxy 2, even though I love that. I, I There'll just be another game that I'm going to play now. You know, I just, it's just, that's just who I am. And I, I, again, I don't think that's necessarily good, but it also <laughs> means that I'm not worried about those things. Khalif, I've heard a lot of hmms from you, and I, I, don't, I can't tell if those are like, I agree, or like the hmm you make when your aunt has you eat that thing you don't like. You're like, hmm, 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 It's It's an agreement, hmm, because I, I think for me, like even when I think about now, the stuff that I have kept over the years that are that are very specific, that have memories attached to them, and you know, they were moments in time that I really just go back to. And it's like, I have the full season of the Chappelle Show, like all the boxed versions of that. Don't tell Dave. I mean, Dave knows. He, 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 he did. You know, he has a chip in all those things. Um, and like old horror movies, like House, and you know the, the 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 most recent thing that I've thought about purchasing a physical version of is Midsummer, 
Uh, and that's only because I want to see all that terribleness in the highest fidelity that I possibly can. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with me feeling like that memory is specific to me having to go back to it and, and remembering that, oh, it may disappear off of a service or any of that stuff. One of the interesting things that came up during the interview that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago with Sarah Bond from the Microsoft and Xbox team was she talked about kind of adoption of people not only using uh, Game Pass as a service, but also the adoption of people playing new things they would have never played before mm. all, all in, that, in that ecosystem. And the number was pretty substantial in terms of people like playing a new thing that they never played before. Um, I wonder if by keeping the physical parts that you have or keeping the physical games that you have, if there is a stunting of the want to try new things when you have the old favorites that you kind of can always go back to. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I wonder about that layer, but also like, I also know having gone through family stuff and having to, to do the, like, Oh, here are all the things that my grandma bought from QVC that she'll never use. <laughs> like, Ma, why do you have this pan- panini machine when you <laughs> right. don't like whoa, whoa, whoa. Do not knock the panini machine. That thing. Panini. I am team panini. Okay, good. I am team panini. <laughs> if there was ever a team panini, I would be on team panini. But I'm like the need to have things yeah. uh, is 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 less of a is less of a want at this point for me. It's weird. Um, yeah. Like I, I think I agree, but I also have like a mega SG, and I enjoy going back and revisiting those games. But I was trying to think as I was playing Control on Switch, which is streaming, and it has ray tracing. And I think that's how they're doing Hitman 3 on Switch also. And I was like, okay, this is a version of this game that I can in no way say that I own, right? Like I bought like a lifetime pass for $39. But as I've seen over the years, games getting turned off, you know, after five years of being out or four years being out, this, that, and the other, you know, even if you have the disc, the idea of ownership is tenuous. But like if this stream gets turned off, I lose access to this game. Mm. Am I okay with spending i think 40 dollars, whatever it is on like having this knowing i have it for a long enough time to experience it and then having it go away and i think the answer for me is also yes but it feels as i'm struggling to say it it feels (laughs) weird for me to say like what's that price like miles morales i love this game talk about it again in a little bit but like for let's say the same price i paid for it and it was a i don't know what the length is two year thing i don't i guess yes but that feels weird as a kid that grew up owning it air quote owning it i I guess the question i have for you christian in that respect is i like i know how much i loved miles morales as a game and, and and everything that it stood for culturally and we'll talk about that stuff later do you feel like and i know jeff kind of poked at this too but with the glut of of stuff that we get a chance to talk to to talk about to touch to play that everything kind of feels throwaway at this point in some form or fashion. It feels like a lot of the things that we held to that as memories because of the games, because we didn't have a lot of them to play. We had to wait a long period of time for the next thing to come out. That that being the way that games come out now makes all of these experiences kind of feel a little bit throwaway. I think that's an excellent question. Um, and to tie this back to so people know, this comes from the Xbox. I brought this up. The Xbox 
app potentially being on TV. So that's the thread to this. I think it all connects back because then if it's streaming and things going away. Um, I, I think that's an excellent question. And my answer is, I don't think everything is disposable. I mm. think that you still have those impactful moments in games. Um, Last of Us Part Two is one for me. It's easy to call out. Control is one that's easy for me to call out. Celeste is one that's easy for me to call out. They are these tentpole things that hit me in a way um, that were just, they'll, they'll be with me forever. Um, but, but that doesn't mean they're not disposable. That's, well, I think no. it's a completely different point. Because all of us have things that impacted us. It doesn't mean, like, um, you know, there's a Hot Wheel car that impacted me when I was six. Doesn't mean my parents didn't throw it away. Well, but no, I don't think that's, maybe I heard wrong. I don't think that's what Cleve's saying, because that's like my parents could could have thrown away my Super Mario Brothers 3 cart also. It, Cleve, it's, I, maybe I misunderstood. No, yeah, I'm saying that the experiences that we have currently like yes we're having fantastic experiences with the things that we're, we're we're kind of engaging with but the fact that we are getting so many things all at the same time often it lessens the ability to have those kind of seminal moments with each individual thing because we have the next thing coming in hot yeah so for me i i don't think so maybe the the allegory or the thing that's related to that for me is I move off of games quicker because I am searching for that thing because mm. I, I can find. So I'll be like, oh, I'm going to play some Battletoads. Don't love this. On to the next one. Whereas before, I probably would have found the love for yeah. Battletoads 2020 because mm. I would have played it. over. But instead, I'm like, eh, put it two hours into this. What's next? Oh, Slay of the Spire. Ooh, this is troublesome. I'm going to play way too much of this. <laughs> Time to move on. What's next? Oh, Miles Morales, go on. Right. So that's how it's impacted me. Yeah, that's a good point. Fantastic point. That's that's my story, Jeff. Sorry. Good. No, that's good. That's good. I appreciate it. Uh, I do want to thank our first sponsor now, though, which is Native. Uh, my, my deodorant. Actually, I got to be honest, uh, was my deodorant until my wife stole it. Dude, stole do you have my the, deodorant. Do you have she the, loves the, the peppermint one. Yeah, no, I got the candy cane. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, they have the new the seasonal scents now. They've got uh, this holiday season. They're doing uh, a, a few different seasonals, and one of them is candy cane. And uh, I was all I was digging on my candy cane scent, and then my wife goes, "I'm taking this. This is now mine and not yours. And don't use it anymore because it is mine." <laughs> and I went, "Okay, honey, I love you." And she happily stole my native. So now I got to get another one. But the good news is, you can get. Uh, they have a candy cane gift set now, which is actually a really cool gift option. A mini deodorant, a full-size deodorant, a body wash, and a toothpaste. It's called the candy cane gift set. They also have the uh, holiday mini trio. It's candy cane, sugar cookie, vanilla, and chai, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so these are great. You know, these are great stocking stuffers. What makes de- native deodorant different? What makes it special? It is... The ingredients, putting stuff in it that doesn't just block odor better, makes it created better, made with ingredients that you've heard of, coconut oil, shea butter. It's also vegan and it's never tested on animals. You can be confident that they don't put ingredients that shouldn't be in deodorant like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. And these scents are fantastic. There's so many of them. I highly recommend trying the uh, the new holiday season ones. It's the holiday season. Who doesn't want to smell like a candy cane? Actually, uh, you know, smelling like a candy cane doesn't, to me, 
it, w- it wouldn't be one that I'd be like, yes, but then you actually smell it and you go, oh my gosh, this is phenomenal. Hence why my wife stole it. So, <laughs> so do what I did and make the switch to native today by going to nativedo.com slash DLC and use promo code DLC. You'll get 20% off your first order. That's native DO, D-E-O. It's the first three letters of deodorant. So native DO, D-E-O.com slash DLC and promo code DLC at checkout for 20% off your first orders. Again, great stocking stuffer, a really wonderful holiday themed gift set you can, you can buy. I urge you to give it a try. NativeDO.com slash DLC and the promo code DLC. All right. Um, I have another uh, story here that I think brings up another question, kind of like Christians did. We got news this week that Baldur's Gate 3, which uh, has been in early access for a little while. I pre-purchased the game to get early access because Larian... Has never steered me wrong. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I love uh, Divinity Original Sins 1 and 2. It was a, a home run, as much of a home run as you can possibly get. And I have been loving the first act, which is what they have released so far. Well, they're now uh, releasing the next patch. It's uh, tentatively titled Patch 3, which is the first update that's actually going to bring changes to the game's story. But there's a catch. And the catch is save games from the previous releases of this early access title will not be compatible with the new patch. So you have to start fresh, start over, which is kind of a bummer. I know there's a lot of people that have put dozens and dozens of hours into the game already, and indications are that this will not be the last patch to do that, that the, the Larian considers this to be part of the early access process, that as they release more content into the game, it will make your save game incompatible. So I think so real quick, I think they also said when they, this launch in early access, that whenever the final version comes out, your save also does not carry over into that. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. But even periodically it's going to be incompatible. Now there's ways that they have, they've outlined ways to work around that. Um, You can select in steam, old versions of the game so you don't actually auto-update into the new version and still play your old save game. So they're actually, you know, publicizing ways for players. If you don't want to lose your save and you want to keep playing the old version, you can. But at some point, if you want more content, you're going to have to lose your save. So, Khalif, I want to know... I mean, obviously, this kind of stings. It's also Mm -hmm. kind of a cool opportunity to start a new character or something. People can look at it on the bright side, glass half full version of that. But ultimately, I wonder what you think of this as a concept, even more than the specifics of Baldur's Gate 3, in that the idea of buying into an early access game that as you are going through the process will eliminate all of the progress that you've made as part of the development process as a whole. Do you think that kind of ruins the early access idea or is that just all part of the early access idea? Oh man, I'm of two minds on that because it is kind of like what you are getting. When, when you sign up for early access. But I think that yeah. one of the parts of early access that I think about is you're trying to instill confidence in your final product. And I feel like doing this makes me super wary of what you're going to give me when it comes time for the final game to come out in a way that I'm just like, ooh, I may just not 
dig into stuff. Because my thing is like when you do, when you have games like this, especially, lots of time goes into building your character, and 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 if you are role playing your character in in lots of different ways, yeah, you absolutely get attached to what you did and how you did it and, and the, 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 the relationships you've built within that world. Mm-hmm. It makes it way harder for me to be excited about the potential. And especially because Baldur's Gate has been very, very good. It's been really fun. As, pers- as a person who does not play those games often, getting a chance to play some of it and, and really loving what I've been playing or had been playing, it makes me a little bit wary to see that be the case knowing that they're kind of working out the kinks in that way. But again, it's early access, which makes it hard because I'm like, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm kind of the guinea pig anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, Ooh, that's rough though. I would hate to go through all that work to try to do all that stuff. And then like, Nope, that, that patch, that patch just killed my save. Dude, I, I'll go farther oh. than you. I, I, it makes me not want to play that game anymore right? at least until it's re- fully released. It makes yeah. me go, I, I don't, I can't do that to myself. Uh, I I am really allergic to losing progress mm-hmm. and redoing things. I mean, I know in a lot of ways that's some of the joy of these Larian games or these big sprawling role playing games in general. Not even just Larian's versions of them. You know, Bioware and all these other companies. You know, um, uh, Bethesda and all these companies that do these big sprawling role playing games. Part of the fun is making different choices and mm-hmm. and exploring the and having different classes and playing different types of characters and so there's some joy to that and i know a lot of people love playing through these games multiple times and making wildly different characters and all that stuff but for me uh the idea of like re-going through content that i already did and it's because the way i play these types of games is that i am so thorough or at least Mm -hmm. i try to be right Mm -hmm. i try to search every nook and cranny and go down every path that I possibly can with the character I've chosen because I love exploring the world and, and seeing as much as I can. I, the idea of like just doing that all again, simply to get to the new stuff. Yeah, boy, it just is crushing to me. I I'm uh, Christian. How, how do you feel about something like this? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like they kind of telegraph. That, like to me, I think we talked about it on this show. Like I was kind of interested in this game because of the Stadia aspect of it and my love of cloud gaming and your, you know, loving of their prior games. Um, but I feel like they kind of talked about like that. We talked about how would, when it go over to the final game and me being like, eh, I'll wait. Like to me, that was enough of a turnoff. I, I wonder if here specifically, it's just kind of, you know, it would break the game somehow like your save is in like a choice you made is incompatible with the new stuff there's ways that it just kind of doesn't work um well they they did this before with um divinity with uh divinity original sin 2 they released after the console version of that game came out which came out like a year or two after the pc version the console version had a bunch of updates a bunch of improvements graphical improvements a bunch of re-recorded dialogue um, kind of rewritten quests. Like it was a big revision to the game where they fixed a lot of the stuff that they didn't like and improved things. And because they had an opportunity to do that because they were building the console version. And so they had the budget and time and the team committed to making this new version that they went back and just like, you know, it's like the director's cut of, of this video game. But, oh, and they released that to all the people that had 
it on PC, they released that console version for free. If you already bought it, they give it to you for free, which I thought mm-hmm. was a really cool thing for them to do. Mm. But your save game was not compatible. Mm-hmm. So for me, who had put in 100 hours on Divinity Original Sin 2 and wanted to like traipse around the new improved version with my awesome heroes that I've been leveling up, it was heartbreaking because I was like, I got to start over from zero to see this, the improvements. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I eventually did because I waited multiple years, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, so anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like they have a track record of having actually already done that exact thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I would avoid a game like that until a final version, despite my excitement. I'm trying to think of like, you know, if 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 Spider Man Spider Man Gwen Stacy came out and it was like, hey, here's the first story missions, but when it comes, I'd be like, ah, oh, that's worth it because it's not the, quite the time. Or like The Last of Us Part Three came out as a Half Life Two chapter. I'm trying to think of like a game that would get me excited enough to mm. well, to risk just that for the, the replay, but they just did the well. Uh, this isn't exactly the same thing, but I, I was thinking the the Spider Man uh, remaster that they came out with alongside Miles Morales people were like screaming about their save games. And then eventually Sony was like, okay, we'll make the save or insomniac, I guess <laughs> it's like, well, we'll make the save games work. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, I would, I would wait, right? Like I don't, I don't need to be involved in the early accessiness of it for a game like that. Like something that's a roguelite, like um, dead cells or scourge bringer. And I was playing that or, um, you know, maybe Spelunky or something like that. That's kind of part of it, the reset. But I think if it was like this big, like if fable came out like that, right? Like I'm very excited for um, what playground games is, is doing with fable just based on, I love all the games of theirs I've played so far. And I, I like the franchise. I think I would wait. I would be like, uh, like a game like um, Sea of Thieves. If that had a big reset, I think I'd be okay with it because the point is just to get the things. So mm. I think it depends on the game, but I, I understand community frustration for this. But I guess maybe the other side of that coin is like, good for them for doing real early access. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. Ooh, the earliest of access, right? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. I mean, it's an awesome game, though. I'm super excited. I guess, you know, it, it, it's early access in the sense that the full game isn't going to come out for like another year or two. So it, the idea of being able to play it now is kind of special feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really going to get changed a lot. Yeah. So it'll probably well, be a totally like, different game at that point. Yeah. If yeah. it's two years away, it'll be a new game. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment that we call the playlist. Khalif, there is a ton to be playing right now. I know you're playing lots and lots of things. Where would you like to start? What's on your playlist? Oh, man. Uh, every time I hear that jingle, it still makes me dance. I, it, it never, <laughs> never not makes me move um it's good stuff sean madigan sean madigan shout out to sean madigan um i've been playing a lot of stuff uh fuser uh from harmonics i literally before we got on the recording tonight finished the campaign for that so if you're not familiar with that game it is a digital version of their previous game drop mix uh, which is this awesome music matching beat matching 
you know, latest iteration of, you know, not what Rock Band wound up being, but what it kind of evolved into. Um, and that game is just so fantastic. Like, if you are a person who loves music, especially pop music, uh, if you if you have any background in DJing, which I do, that stuff just feeds into your brain and into your mind of like, ooh, I can do some really cool stuff here uh, and, and have those performances and have those songs kind of just like in my library uh, to be able to kind of play around and mess with. It is it is super, super good. And it makes me I, really I thought, excited to play more of it. I genuinely didn't realize that Fuser was drop mix. I'm just it's looking at his team page now. But yeah, dude, drop mix. I remember there was some E3, however many years ago, where I had set up a, a meeting with some folks at, at Harmonix inside. Like, you remember those meeting rooms that are like in the hallway between <laughs> the two halls? <laughs> yep. The, the concourse has like an offshoot where you can go down. There's like almost <laughs> nothing there ever. In some tiny little room, they're like, we want to show you drop mix. Uh, it's it's this little, it's a physical thing with physical cards. You put mm-hmm. it on the thing and you can play. And then each of them has a bit of a real song that you've heard, you know, Madonna songs and, you know, all, all, whoever, you know, everybody that you've heard of. And then it doesn't matter what card you play. Like there's a game to it, but also it doesn't matter what card you play. Somehow magically the game will figure out how to turn it all into something that doesn't sound like, but like, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll magically create awesome music with all these disparate elements that you p- place down from these physical cards. And it seemed like voodoo to me. It seemed like this, <laughs> this sorcery that, that, boggled my mind i couldn't figure out how they did it and i thought it was the coolest thing and it makes sense that they would take that tech and just eliminate the physical stuff because i think the game didn't really sell that well as a physical tabletop type experience um because you need it was like a hundred dollar device that you needed to play the cards onto and Mm -hmm. um i don't think it sold very well but it's such a brilliant thing that they would make that all digital and just bring it into a video game i had no idea it is so good. I mean, I'm a little bit upset that they didn't continue to go down the route with, route with drop mix because I am one of the people who literally has a Ziploc bag with almost all the all the sets that they had. Oh, really? Oh, I, I mean, I'm just like, no joke. I love that game because it is one of those things where I never played. I never used it for the game parts of it. It really was yeah. just me trying to dig around and see, well, oh, what is this? Because it stems, basically. So if you've ever used a music service online if you're like hey i need some music that won't get me copywritten stricken (laughs) uh i will use these services and when you download stuff from them usually they will ask you a couple different things they'll say like hey do you want to download the full song or do you want to download the stems and each stem is either like the guitar riff or the synth or the Mm. lyrics or the the drums And and it continues to do that with drop mix but they they've built it out in a way where you are this dj in front of what would be an actual concert, AKA what are concerts anymore? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and you're like playing Coachella as this character that you build. Are you um, the DJ or are you the NDA kid who's actually <laughs> makes the beats that the DJ performs live? <laughs> <laughs> you're the lawyer behind everybody who's like, yo, calm that down. Um, but you, yeah, you're, you're the DJ of, of this party. Um, and you build out crates from the music that they have. And there's a couple of, of songs that you wind up, unlocking throughout the campaign and then you get these this uh digital cu- uh, currency where you can buy more of the songs and it's just brilliant like the thing that i actually really appreciate is 
if you do have some musical acumen and you and you know you know uh you know not necessarily chords but you know uh you know how a song will progress from memory you can then go in and say well okay i know this is where the drop is from a song or where this part hits the break of a song and you can kind of build in other elements that would lay underneath that stuff or lay with it really well and and just make some dope music and it's super good it's super fun uh customization is really good all those things kind of work together plus they've added some things we can play like live instrumentation in it uh as well which has been super super cool wow. to play around with again um, we're talking about fuser which is mm-hmm. a harmonics game um you said you finished the campaign what, what what's the campaign like so you you're opening up. You have I think six different stages, and you, you basically you go to each stage, uh, and you meet the person who kind of runs that stage, and then they walk you through the process of building a crate, um, playing a playing a song so that you're hyping up the crowd in a specific way uh, that kind of tailors to the musical genre stylings that they like. So you'll do like uh, this one stage that I just finished. It looks like a big uh, hydra, um, and and you're playing uh, electronic music on that particular stage, right? That person is like the electronica DJ. Uh, so you kind of try to go through the process of of, of going through and, and picking songs that that match well with that stuff. The first is you're going to wind up playing it twice. One is going to be kind of run through the entire campaign, so you can kind of unlock as much stuff as you can. And then you'll go back in and, and try to just use freestyle mode, which is the way I'll do it when I stream it, is to play a lot of freestyle mode and just make make music and make beats and things like that. It's it's brilliant. And harmonics, harmonics doesn't get the love that they deserve in terms of technology. Yeah, I agree. And they don't get the love that they deserve in terms of doing really innovative stuff. And I just love them because they're they're brilliant. They're super cool. I agree. I agree. Uh, I've been, as I said on the show a few weeks ago, I've been digging back into rock band with my kid, my four year old, because he was like he saw the box with the drums in it in the garage and he's like, daddy, what's that? And I was like, I can set that up. And so, uh, I just been appreciating how they make games again and innovative and really, I think all the features that you want, it's, it's, um, they, you're right. They do not get enough credit for technology, for the way they put the games together. Uh, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of the stuff that they make. So I, I got to give Fuser a try. I just had no idea. I remember seeing a press release about Fuser and I guess I just didn't really pay attention to it, but I didn't realize it was basically virtual drop mix. That's yeah. awesome. Really cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super under the radar. And I think everyone should, if you really love music, it's a fun, fantastic thing, especially if you're playing on console and you have some nice speakers, you can like pump it through. Mm. It's, it's real good. Um, of course, uh, playing through AC Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion, still having a bunch of fun uh, fun with those. Um, again, you know, they just play well. <laughs> Legion is the thing that I was the most thirsty for w- coming into next gen. Yeah. It has not failed me yet. Um, I'm continuing to build out my team and finding good people to punch in the face uh, on the streets <laughs> of London. Uh, the biggest surprise for me, actually, so far has been Godfall. Oh yeah, which has been panned by many, many critics as being a poo-poo doo-doo game. Right. Which I do not believe is the case. I think that Godfall for me has been the most underrated game of next gen so far. Really? Interesting. I am enjoying the heck out of Godfall. I feel like the combat is competent. It's like the, the weird part is like there are caveats, of course, to everything. 
Mm-hmm. And when you tell when you tell people there's a caveat to stuff, they're like, "Well, you don't be- you don't actually believe what you just said, right?" And I was like, "No, I actually think it's really good." <laughs> so it's one of the most beautiful games I've seen on next gen so far. I've been playing a little bit on PS5 and then some on, well, mostly on PS5 and then some on PC. Uh, combat feels really good. The layered systems that they have there uh, feel really smart in the way that once you get a, an understanding of how they work together, um, they feel good as well. Of course, I don't really go into any of these games for the lore. Like most people kind of dig into Destiny and all that stuff. I skip through all that stuff. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is the thing I'm having the most fun with as my go to bed game at this point, which oh. which is I which is the thing I did not expect. I was really not paying attention to Godfall. At it's all. interesting. We had um, Andrea Renee was on last week, I think, and she spoke highly of that game as well. And she couched it the same way you did, where it's like a lot of people have been dogging on this game, but I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she was talking about how good it looks. She said it looks it looks really sharp, lots of particle effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, do, are you finding the loot to be satisfying? Because I, you know, it's a looter, not shooter, but looter, you know, melee game. Yeah. Um, it, does it scratch that itch? Is it satisfying to find new cool stuff? It is. I mean, it's one of those things that when you look at the foundation for what this game is currently, it definitely is going to have its Warframe. Because, I mean, it's Warframe, (laughs) basically. Yeah. But it's going to, and I'm hoping it has its Renaissance, uh, Warframe, Division 2, No Man's Sky moment, where if, if, uh, uh, who's who's doing this game? I forget. They just ran out of off the top of my head. I just published I just like Gearbox. But yes, I don't. I forget who the developer is. I forgot who the dev was. If they have enough time and the and there is a solid foundational community around it, I'm really hoping that they get a chance to kind of keep pushing because I think there's good meat on the bones. In the loot parts, there are some parts that don't really feel as great as they should, but I do think that once you have found a combination of weapons and other stuff that you add into the mix where you then are able to play in a style that feels super smart and competent, which the game will let you do. It just does a terrible job of telling you how the systems work together, which is, mm-hmm. it's just the thing that they need to fix and figure out and, and, and do the work to, to build out the tutorials in a way that actually makes sense. Cause it throws a lot of stuff at you. That's just like, Hey, you should know this stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea what you just told me. Right. <laughs> no idea how this thing is actually supposed to work, which I think they need to figure out and fix. But that game is definitely the thing that I have been kind of going back to. And now I'm trying to cap out on my on my character. I think I'm like probably in my high 40s, level 40s, and I think it caps out at 50. Um, but I'm going back into it all the time to try to you know grind and, and, and get new stuff and, and figure out how to beat these new and, and, and more powerful enemies. So it's a lot of fun. And then Rockstar Table Tennis is my is my, my last game. <laughs> <laughs> Rockstar Table Tennis, the, like, the the one that came out however many years ago. That one, my God, how long ago did that thing come out? It is, yeah. I, 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 that is the first thing I bought when I got my Xbox Series X. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I love that game with my whole heart. If there was a game that when you know Chris was talking about games you go back to that you're just like, I want that on a physical disc. I I have so much love for Rockstar Table Tennis. <laughs> it is it is such a good game that no one played and people panned all the yeah. time. That it is, it is literally the best table tennis game that has ever lived, and I love it. 
I mean, that's a short list of competition, but still, true. Uh, high praise, <laughs> high praise, nonetheless. <laughs> Best table tennis video game of all time. I'm saying, yeah. when they do the accolades trailer next year for Rockstar Table Tennis, they better put me in it. Yeah. That's a box quote. Um, (laughs) For the remaster that they will inevitably do. Uh, So... What is it about that? What is it about the Rockstar Table Tennis that uh, that makes you love it so? I mean, I feel like now you, you'll tell me that I'm wrong about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like there's a bunch of ten. I mean, actual tennis games, right? You know, like U- U.S. whatever it is, Tennis Association, whatever you know that yeah, real, yeah. You know, Federer Tennis or whatever it is. There's those <laughs> games. There's Mario Tennis. There's there's lots of sort of tennis game simulator games, and I'm I'm sure there's differences and nuances between all of them. But yes. ultimately, it's pong, right? It's it's dressed yeah. up pong. What separates a great tennis or table tennis game from the field? In in a normal tennis game, you have to have licensed players. I was mm-hmm. I was digging through some of my my emulator games uh on a on a hard drive that will not be named um and ran across Sega Sports Tennis 2K3 I think <laughs> and I and I'm a big tennis head I love tennis right um and seeing it have like folks like Monica Seles in it mm-hmm. and you know like OG Venus and Serena uh, yeah. Williams in it. Pete like, Sampras. And, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like those, like, I was like, Pete Haas is in this game. I was like, no one remembers Pete Haas but me and like three <laughs> other people. And it's like one of those things where I'm just like, oh, okay, that's f- fantastic. When it comes to stuff like table tennis and things like this, I was actually talking about this on Twitter the other day, how there are no real great compilation parlor game games out in the world. Like, I'm the person who is still vying for. And standing for a, someone to make a game around curling, because I think it deserves. <laughs> I think it deserves a place in the world because it's dope. So, like that's where my like rock star table tennis love comes from. Where it's just like it's a thing that people would usually just play in the real world and do that thing. But if you emulate it well enough in a digital format, and it feels like there's skill to it, then I'm oh, I'm totally on board with that. Like I want a darts game, a real good one. I want like yeah. a really good curling game. Like a really nice billiards and poker game that actually doesn't look like butt. Then I'm like, make those things. I want to play that stuff because I'm a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your word's not mine. Um, I'm saying it. I'll totally, yeah. totally fly that flag. I mean, there are. I, I I remember reading about some like billiards game that has however many thousands of online players at any given time that like people are. All, and I was baffled. Like, who wants to play virtual billiards? I mean, I understand it's not easy to get near a billiards table all the time but like the whole joy to me i i by the way i feel the same way about golf video games it's like yeah. <laughs> who wants to play a golf video game i the i most guess recent 2k1 is fantastic jeff yeah i know people it's very good i believe me i know i'm the outlier here i know that i'm the weird <laughs> one who is like who doesn't understand it because these are huge games and no. people love People I love golf, and so they love playing virtual golf, of course. I, I feel I way about Final who, Fantasy. <laughs> who wants to play paranormal government building games? Like, I go to real secret houses and just yeah. murder yeah. Right, I was right, doing that right. the other day. Just like, I walked in, I heard voices. Uh, the the director killed themselves, and it was I was away. You know, like, it was just, I was off. So, um I think it's just fun, Jeff. Yeah, right? no, I know, I know. I'm just saying that, to me, the idea... 
the whole point of billiards or golf is like dealing with the physics and the real, but I, you know, the, yeah. Hey, I've said the same thing about friggin' racing games. So, you know, where I'm like, the whole point is like to feel the car in, you know, so I'm, I'm clearly talking out of my <laughs> dumb parts. Talking uh, out of your Valhalla again, aren't yeah, you? Talking out of my Valhalla. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think it's, I think it's awesome that you love Rockstar Table Tennis. I think it's awesome. So that's something that's on, is that on Game Pass? It's in the store. It's oh, in the, the, the Microsoft store and the, the Xbox store. But come on, yeah. come on, Microsoft, get that on Game Pass for everybody to try. Do it, do it, do it for, well, don't do it for me now because I already bought it, but do it, do it anyway. <laughs> do it for everybody else. You play against, you play against the computer. You don't play against other humans or. I don't think anybody else is playing that game but me. <laughs> I've been in the lobby for for six months and nobody right. there's no game. Who's <laughs> there? Just you, Ka. It's just you. <laughs> I, I, I smell I smell a charity stream. That's that what ma- I smell. That matchmaking is really chugging along. It's trying to find me a, pl- a person to play against. I guess it's too good. I'm too good. Here's the wildest thing is like I just so I play it at the whatever the highest difficulty is and, and get smoked by the computer because back then Computers didn't have that rubber band AI that was just like, we're going to let you kind of win. Yeah. Uh, but when Rockstar first came out with Rockstar Table Tennis, they had a online tournament that I came in second in. Wow. And because of the internet being terrible and my grandma picking up the phone during the time I was trying no to stream, way. I lost that tournament. That's amazing. It was amazing. What I was like, yo, I'm disconnected. Grandma? I'm disconnected. What happened? She was like, you should have gotten your own phone, kid. And I was like, yo. <laughs> she has no sympathy. Killing me, ma. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, actually, I want to dig into Watch Dogs Legion a little bit, but let me let me thank our next sponsor first. And that is Quip, my toothbrush. Oh, I love Quip. You know, Quip has an actually a new toothbrush now that actually gives you rewards for bl- brushing your teeth. Can you believe that? That's cool. It's not... Not just like fake rewards, not just fantasy rewards, not just points. You actually can redeem those points for free products, gift cards, and not just from Quip, from their partners, all for brushing your teeth. It's the Quip Smart Brush. It's for adults and kids. It connects to the Quip app via Bluetooth, and it tracks when and how well you brush you get tips and coaching to improve your habits. I mean, this is perfect for kids. I'm setting my son, my four-year-old son up with this, uh, and my my two-year-old daughter will be right behind him. You can earn points. You earn points for daily brushing, and then you get bonus points for completing challenges like streaks. It's, it's gamifying oral hygiene, which is brilliant. And then you redeem those for rewards like free products, gift cards, and discounts. And it's not just from Quip. It's from their partners. So you get actual physical cool stuff. For brushing your teeth. What a cool thing. What a way to motivate yourself and your loved ones should you need to uh, for for oral hygiene, which is what we all want. You can even upgrade your existing Quip. If you have one like me, I have four in my house. You can uh, upgrade your existing Quip with the smart motor to keep the uh, the features that you like already with Quip. The, the pulsing vibrations, the, the, the 30 second... Uh, Pulses that let you know how long you've been going and turning itself off after two minutes. I love all that stuff with my Quip. Uh, you keep all that stuff and then you add the smart motor to connect to the Bluetooth uh, app and you get the the rewards. It's fantastic. Plus, Quip has stuff beyond the brush. Everything you need to build a complete routine. 
toothpaste, mint or watermelon, floss that expands to clean, even an eco-friendly solar battery that charges your Quip with sunshine. It's fantastic. So start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to getquip.com slash DLC right now. Get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash DLC. That refill includes toothpaste, uh, a battery, a new brush head so you keep those bristles fresh. You get your first refill free at getquip.com slash DLC. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash DLC. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. All right, uh, Khalif, I want to talk a little bit more. I mean, you, you, you mentioned how much you're enjoying Watch Dogs Legion. Christian and I both played it, and, and we both kind of bounced off of it. Um, I, I find it so wild, honestly, that Ubisoft, we, you know, we're getting uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising next week. Yep. And we have week, you're listening to it. It's Friday, right? It drops Friday. So as people yes. hear this, reviews will probably be out, and the game is just around the corner. I'm super excited to play it. I've heard really good things about it. But like, talk about, uh, uh, you know, eating your own young or uh, (laughs) AC Valhalla, Watch Dogs Legion, uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, all coming out within like a month of each other. Uh It, it, It seems so bizarre to me that Ubisoft would just clump all these big releases. And really, all of them are huge, deep, dense games. I mean, I guess... There's some bean counters somewhere that said that's the right decision to make and you got to get them out before the holidays. But it just seems wild that you would it it would it just seems like it would be um, cannibalizing their own. Well, if you their own stuff, if you connect the maps, uh, the Vikings from Valhalla actually show up in London and and dogs. (laughs) That's an awkward. I mean, I guess it works. right? It's time travel in AC. So it makes sense. Um, But that's what that horn was. Okay. so tell me, you know, tell me what it is about Legion that you're loving. Is it is it the the city and the idea of you know building this huge team out? Is that is that what's working for you, or were you sort of invested in the Watchdogs? I mean, I remember you came on the show mm-hmm. and you had played a couple of hours of Watchdogs, and you were really high on it then. So it is it has sustained your interest. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of things that were the most exciting kind of conversations in my mind prior to. Um, getting a chance to actually play it for the first time, like previews, was just talking to uh, Clint Hawking and talking to him about just why this game, from a gameplay standpoint, from a from a found, found, foundational like what they're trying to do technically, blew me away. And it was like, oh, this is a thing that I've always wanted to have from a con- conceptual standpoint, and to see them actually like knock that out of the park in an actual interesting way. I give them massive props for trying it. It does absolutely talk about kind of cannibalizing your own. You wind up doing that with your own team (laughs) in lots of different ways uh, because there isn't that one singular story that you're trying to, trying to kind of go through. That Everybody's disposable because you can just replace them. Kind of sort of, but I play on permadeath. Oh, so, So me playing on permadeath makes me really try to build out a team that is going to not only be functional, but also kind of has that cool X-Men factor to it, right? Where it literally is like me building my own X-Men team of, all right, I need this scenario done. I have such and such who's going to be able to do that. Oh, I need to get into a fight. Oh, I have my my ringer who's going to be able to beat people up. 
Um, so that, that to me has been speaking to me in terms of playing that game um, in that way. Um, the customization stuff has been fantastic. Playing it on PC with a really nice video card that does RTX stuff is absolutely changing the way I think about my PC experiences. I'm like, put RTX in everything. I want <laughs> ray tracing everything at this point. Yeah. Welcome back to DLC, the show where Cleef is on every single week. Now, go ahead, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, we're on that bandwagon too, baby. Fam, I got a 3080 card. My Lord, it is unreasonable how good stuff looks. It's stupid. Um, yeah. But it's but it's that kind of stuff there where we're now I'm trying to figure out like how I can make the most motley crew crew <laughs> oh, folks right. and just make the weirdest, you know, combination of teams uh, of people. Plus, you know, a thing that I always champion is the conversation around diversity. And, and I think that this is one of the first games I've seen that had such a really amazing breadth and depth of combinations of characters that I've not seen in games before. Like I, I, it's funny. Uh, former games journalist Lee Alexander, uh, who I will mention at this point, the first character that I ever got in the game is, is the spitting image of Lee Alexander. So I was like, oh, really? I have to say, I'll, 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 I'll post the picture of it. But it's like, I was like, oh, crap, that looks just like Lee. That's awesome. And then I ran into another character randomly in the street who had a vitiligo. And there's this black woman with vitiligo. She has like the kind of discolorations in, in, on her skin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never seen that in a game before. Like, that's just not a thing I remember ever seeing. Yeah. That someone yeah. took the time to do that and put that character in a game. Um, so, you know, the, the, the usual uh, uh, de facto language that winds up in, in the beginning of every Ubisoft game about how they're a studio of cultures and a studio that looks to continue to build out people mm-hmm. uh, and showcase those folks. Like, I'm, I'm constantly... Uh, in awe of how far we've come technology wise. And it kind of pulls itself into that game for me um, in that way. Uh, so, That's you know, awesome. I'm, I'm hoping that they do some more stuff in terms of in, in my fam wheels, 1993, who's in the chat uh, today spoke about the lack of disabled folks in there. And mm-hmm. there's also, there's also a lack of, of overweight people too. Like yeah. I, my body is not represented in watchdogs at all. Well, <laughs> to be yeah. fair. The amount yeah. of running I make the civilians do in that game, everybody's fit. You know what I mean? Because I show up I'm places saying. and everybody's running for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And everyone's Jamaican, which I found to be really interesting, too. Like, it's <laughs> like everyone has the same kind of Jamaican accent, which I thought to be really interesting. And I was like, I don't know if that's the case. I know there's a huge contingency in London, but I don't know if everybody I run to for the most part is, is, is on that space. But, yeah, I'm just loving that game. It's super fun. Like, the systems just work. And I'm still trying to try, trying to figure out ways to break it. And when I do get a chance to break it, it still feels fun. So it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been good. I definitely was blown away by the visuals of that game. My goodness, oh, man. London looks like you said on a PC with ray tracing on it. Just absolutely spectacular. I mean, just driving around with uh, cars with uh, sunroofs. You know, all the reflections mm-hmm. of the buildings and the sunroof. It's just like wow. Yeah, yep. it's cool. Awesome. Um, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? Speaking of ray tracing, um, as I continue to play uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales with all them rays, um, I have <laughs> recently 100%ed Miles Morales, which I know is not the biggest game around, 
Um, and I know it's not the only game that does what I'm going to talk about, as the other Spider-Man did it as well. But I find Miles Morales to be such a wonderful total package game. The story is a length that fits my life <laughs> in, in a way where I always felt like I was making meaningful progress through it. We did our spoiler chat, uh, what was it, last week, uh, Jeff? People want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was going and clearing the map, I found because the story, I think I was like nine hours was, was my total playtime, um, was the link that it was, I found that I wanted to spend more time in that world. Whereas the first Spider-Man, I think I was 27 hours and I, there's still plenty of stuff for me to do on my map. Um, I wasn't interested. I, I was kind of done. I had done so much and spent so much time in it and I did come back for the DLC, but it's always this like world fatigue for me. And sometimes in open world games where it's like, Ooh, I did so much. I, I did get distracted by a lot of side missions, this, that, and the other, that I don't really want to be here anymore. <laughs> I might come back. But I enjoyed the world and the winter New York that Insomniac created for Miles Morales. And, and my my campaign time was what it was, that I found myself wanting to just do everything. Every little marker on the map, I'm going to it. A crime along the way, got to stop it. New marker on my map, I'm going to go and do that. (laughs) What I really appreciate, again, not the only game that does it, but what I really appreciate about Miles Morales is how post, pre and post narrative completion, the dialogue is different. And depending on what you've done, where you've done it, some of the stuff about um, enemies in the game or corporations in the game the way that you talk about them with other NPCs and chatter, it, it reflects where you are in that campaign, if it's in the middle or, or post. And I love stuff like that. I think it's really fun where it's like, oh, well, they're still, I got to go take, take down this base as they try to regroup. Just like that amount of dialogue or kind of world building to it. Whereas if I did it earlier, it'd be like, we got to go take down this base to stop them. And it's like, I, I really get excited about that stuff. I think it was in The Last of Us 2, I talked about how, the first time after I took down someone and an NPC was like, they killed Jill. No, not Jill. And I was like, oh, I killed Jill. <laughs> oh, mm. and Miles Morales has some of that too, where it's like, go check on Evan. And I'm like, oh, Evan's webbed up, y'all. You're not, <laughs> you're not going to find Evan. <laughs> uh, Evan got webbed off a building. Bad news. But I really like what Insomniac brings to that uh, open world space. And it made completing those side missions and collecting those collectibles really enjoyable. I found the story they told along the way, um, the audio logs that you're collecting, the story that tells and how it feeds into the game and the time capsules. To me, Spider-Man Miles Morales really is up there as a masterclass in building out an open world game that is constantly providing the player with more without overstaying its welcome. And I just... Remain absolutely floored by that game. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty darn good. They've figured out a way to do um, open world. I think in a, in a very smart template for them, and they repeat that template in this in this game, the the one that they established in the first Spider Man game. But it, it it reminds me how smartly it's set up in the sense that you. You don't just show up in Manhattan and have a bedillion D uh, dots on your map of things that you need to do. They are 
slowly unveiled over time as you move through the main story quest they'll you'll get new things to do that open up a bunch of new dots on your map so you can sort of start working on things and you don't get overwhelmed nearly as much and also a lot of stuff only shows up when you're in proximity to it so it this idea of just traversing around the map and because traversal is so much fun as spider-man you want to just be swinging around manhattan and then oh my gosh oh there's a crime and i always feel like compelled to stop the crime i'm always you know i'm like i'm not gonna just swing on by and just let this crime happen you know i'm spider-man i gotta i gotta stop that crime uh so i just feel everything happens organically and it's not like a lot of other open world games where you open your map and you're just like oh how do i even handle all this stuff or what do i do first um i think insomniac found a way to onboard you into that that rhythm in a in a much smarter way um yeah there's so much there's so much to appreciate about miles morales and and those two games actually in tandem uh, structurally but i know khalif i wanted you mentioned earlier about um sort of what miles morales means culturally and i wonder if you could speak to that yeah i mean i it it is one of the only games that i have played in this life of 40, well, 40 plus, no, 30 plus years of, of gaming that made me feel like the main character was exactly someone who I knew or grew up with in that space. Wow. Like, yeah. Miles my, is young me <laughs> in, in lots yeah. of different ways. Like, I felt grounded in that, in that world in a way that, one, made me miss home uh, in a big way. Uh, because like bodega culture is a huge part of New York culture. You know, your local bodega guy, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, that person, like you, you, you talk to them. They are your mini therapist while you're getting your big bagel, egg and cheese in the morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it feels 12- like not, not to yeah. interrupt you, but it, it it is cool that it seems that as, as much as the folks at insomniac had to be experts of Spider-Man and Marvel, mm-hmm. They also had to be experts of New York City. Oh, they nail New York in a way that is very rare. Like even even in the first game, they nailed parts of it that was that was super important. But with the new lighting that they've gotten right in this game, which is stunning. Like they've they've captured that one thing. So like I would I would go to work and get off at like uh, uh this is going to be really really New York for a second. <laughs> but I would get I would get off the train at 34th Street and hit Fifth Avenue to go catch another train. If you got to, you know, that part of the city, and you can do this basically on any like long cross street where it's east to west, and you saw the sun setting, it just does this really dope thing that bounces off the off the windows and off the glass of the city that you don't really see in lots of games that have buildings in that way that, that try to capture light in the same way that it just hits in a New York city. Hmm. And they nail that. Like, that was the thing I was just like, Oh, that's bouncing off the puddle in the right way. That's bouncing off the weird snow that they have here. That's always dirty because New Yorkers <laughs> don't clean up snow. Like it's, it, it just hits so many of those small intricacies that make that visual thing come together in a way where you just understand it as a, as a native New Yorker. And I was just like, oh, they definitely did their their homework here in yeah. a way that that matters. 
that matters in a way that's not just inconsequential. It's just like, this is a thing that actually, if you are been in that space, if you've visited New York around that time of the year, it feels right. Um, and the cultural parts of that, like, again, like miles feels very grounded in that, in that, in that community. He is talking to people in both English and Spanish. He is yeah. talking to, you know, the folks in his neighborhood that you would see every day um, in a way that doesn't feel foreign or put on. You know, he's, you know, traver- one of the one of the things that that automatically made me understand that they did their their homework was when they did that initial scene in the game where you uh, you go through kind of the food court. Mm-hmm. It's like they show that in the trailer, yeah. but it's like yeah. in that part. And if you if you don't go straight to the this isn't the Easter egg or anything like, but it's just a memory. It's like if you don't go straight directly to where the mission is, you kind of turn, you double back towards like the end of the street. The differences in the way that the the carts, the the ingredients that are in the foods that they show, <laughs> are just like oh yeah, like that's a thing. Like seeing signage in Spanish. Yeah. That just is like part of the way New York works. It's they just did all those small, small things that like let me know that they were paying attention yeah. in a way that mattered in a, in a way that I really appreciated. So yeah, bravo to the folks over Insomniac. Like I'm, I'm dying to talk to those folks about how that part of the conversation worked internally. Well, I because think some they of it just is, did a great job. I think some of it is the people they worked with, yeah, and and yeah. The, the voices they brought in to help. And I think. It also goes, as Jeff, you mentioned, to the Marvel aspect of it. There are suits in both of these games that I think need to become canon within mm. the comics. Like some of the suits in Miles Morales, one in particular, I mean, they're just exquisite. It's just like, this is Miles's new suit, right? Like this, this is what Miles <laughs> wears now. Uh, Dude, I, I got to admit, I basically stayed in one suit the whole time because I loved it so much. Uh, I thought I was going to want to be in the... Um, in the uh, into the spider verse co- costume and i bought that one really fast but i found myself not really wanting to be in that because of the graphic effect that they put on it. and i was well, like you can turn that off that graphic effect ah, is just nah, a, nah. a perk i fell in love with the one that had white on it mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah yeah oh dude that so looks good. so slick and it, it was re- like the eyes were super reflective which was cool with the ray tracing and dude i just basically stayed in that the whole time and i love how they incorporate whatever suit you're in into the cutscenes, so that, you know, even when he's taking his mask off or doing whatever he's doing with the costume, it's still the costume you were in when you started it. It's just, uh, I, I basically played in that costume the whole game. Yeah. There's, well, if you like the reflecting, there's another suit for you. Um, and then the, the last point I want to make about the game is, is nothing about the game. Uh, it is more about, the only way it's related to the game is how much I love it and how I only got, I bought just the regular version and not the, whatever they call it, complete edition that has the remastered Spider-Man with it. I was mm-hmm. like, I played so much of that. I played the DLCs. I don't need that. But I have loved this so much. And as Glyph mentioned, the uh, the lighting that they brought into it is uh, so good that I was like, I, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play. I'll play remastered. I'm just waiting for Cyberpunk. I'll play. I'll play remastered. And twice when I was weak, when I was down... <laughs> When the lights were <laughs> off and no one was looking, I went to buy it and I could not find it. Like couldn't find what the Spider-Man to, to buy it on the console in the PS five store or oh, on the, yeah. it's like, where is it? It's like, here's the PS4 one. And I'm like, I don't want that. No, want wait, what? No, you, you can't. Yes, you can. No, my understanding is that you can only buy it as part of the 
the pack with, you can't buy it as a standalone product. No, they, they don't sell it as a standalone product. It was only part yeah. of the $70 no. version of Spider-Man. Yeah. Yep. Miles Morales. Yep. Excuse me. Yeah. It's not a standalone product. Yeah. Epic open world. Tell me the same. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Cause they would have got more of my money. Cause I would have paid another $40 for it or whatever, you know, like, well, that explains why I couldn't. That's so, and I, could I buy the, re, the, the big collection one if I wanted to now? I don't know if I, anyway, that's really dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a smart way to do that, but because it has all the bells and whistles, right? It's like all the pretty new graphics and all that stuff, right? Oh, can I upgrade yeah. my version to the Probably. ultimate? So I can ask in the chat. I don't huh. know. It's Again, but this is to my point of like, I love my PlayStation 5. DualSense, my favorite controller of all time, remains true. Really, really love my console. Uh, Astro's Playroom deserves to be in serious game of the year conversations. And it's a passion. Yep. Um, but the store is just... Like on Xbox, like it works and I'm going to get the best version 9.5 times out of 10. PlayStation, I feel like I'm going to get the PS1 version 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> yeah. It's no, it makes mess. you realize how smart, smart delivery is. Oh my you know? goodness. Like I, I no thought smart joke. delivery was, you know, kind of a, I don't know, kind of a, a, a weird thing to put so much emphasis on from Xbox. But now I realize, no, no. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, that, bring on more ooh. smart delivery. Anyway. I cannot believe, I mean, I can because I, I trust you all, but I'm also like Googling because I don't believe you. Um, Spider-Man remastered for PS5. You can't, I can't just get it? No, it's it was a, it was a pre it was an incentive to buy a bigger version of the Miles Morales game. That's the only reason it exists. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Chat's telling me maybe I can upgrade. Anyway, uh, I might do that when I'm weak and when it, the lights are off and my family's not looking. And uh, <laughs> but um, the store is a—it's just a real trash heap, unfortunately. Spider-Man Miles Morales, phenomenal game. You will hear me talk about it again on this show. I can guarantee it. Um, how do you, I believe how how are we going to come up with? game of the year this year it just feels oh i mean we, we only the have, last of us it ends with part two i don't know how it's that uh, we, we only have <laughs> we only have five spots on this show we, we limit ourselves to five not a top 10 list we only have five so i i honestly don't know how i'm gonna narrow it down to five this year it's it seems impossible it's seems impossible. gonna be madness i mean we did the, one of the most recent episodes we kind of like went through the stuff that the game awards kind of uh put up his mm-hmm. nominations and, and yeah. went based on that as, as kind of the foundation stuff. But this year is going to be nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's be hard. like, I don't know what to do about half the stuff, but I, it, it will probably be the last of us too. Yeah, In my mind. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, like the, the, the technical mastery that happens from naughty dog, the storytelling that happened in that space, like yeah. the only other game that would have competed if we were if we were just going to use like the game awards as the version that they that we're going to kind of pick from, it's either between Last of Us Two or Miles Morales. Those are the only two games mm-hmm. in my mind for game of the year at this point. Man, just between those two is nuts. <laughs> I I I could see Last of Us Part Two. I mean, it is certainly I I've called it a masterpiece. I think it is a masterpiece of 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 a video game. But I could also see it not even making my top five because like there's it, I think it belongs there. But also, you know, we really concentrate on it being our favorite games. And the experience of playing that game was so harrowing to me. 
that I don't have like fond memories of it. <laughs> you know, I just, I appreciate it for being a masterpiece because I think it is, but man, it's not going to be one of those games. I'm going to look back on and be like, boy, I'd sure love to revisit that game. You know, <laughs> Anyway, after I just got done saying I don't revisit any games. But anyway. So my bow on this is that I just logged into the PlayStation Store on desktop, pulled up Spider-Man Miles Morales <laughs> Ultimate Edition. It says not available for purchase. Huh. I have Miles Morales. I can't now get Ultimate. Anyway, uh, Insomniac, I love you. I love you. Please let me give you some money. I will buy <laughs> Spider-Man Remastered. Okay. <laughs> now, see, now you were like, ah, should I or should I? Now, now, now that you know you can't, you're like, <laughs> I must. I, I already have two 3DSs. I don't need one. What? They're hard to find? I will buy one. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to thank our next sponsor real quick is Third Love. Oh, my wife's Third Love sells bras. Uh, they happen to sell the best bras, at least according to my wife, who says... Basically, she doesn't want to wear any other kind of bras at this point. She, she loves the high quality, comfy bras that Third Love sells. They have their perfect fit promise because they do the Fit Finder quiz. The perfect fit promise, by the way, is that if you don't love the bra, they'll exchange and return it. You can exchange it or return it free for 60 days. Wow, 60 days you have to fall in love with the bra. And if you don't, you can exchange it or return it for free. And that is because they don't just resell your bra. They actually donate your bra. If you, for any reason, don't love your bra, they will actually donate all of their gently used returned bras to women in need. That's amazing. It supports charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. That's their commitment. It's pretty wonderful. So there's really no risk. And with that Fit Finder quiz, chances are you're going to find a bra that fits better than any bra you've ever had before. It You can take the Fit Finder quiz in as little as 60 seconds. You answer a few simple questions and... They use basically the the learnings that they've acquired from over 15 million women who've taken the quiz to date. It helps you identify your breast, breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. Most women don't take into account the breast shape as uh, when they're purchasing their bras. And unfortunately, at least I've learned from my wife, that the process of getting fitted for a bra in person at stores is not ideal. And now that we're in COVID, who even wants to do that? Use the Fit Finder quiz, find the perfect shape, find the perfect fit, and be, be confident that you'll get it because they have that fit, that perfect fit promise that lets you return it or exchange it for 60 days. These are really uh, high-quality, wonderful bras. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 10% off today. Can I tell you, it makes a great gift for the holidays as well. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E.com slash DLC for 10% off. All right, my uh, my playlist has a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla in it, 
uh, which we may talk about in a moment. But more than that, another new, huge, sprawling experience came out this week, and that is the new expansion to World of Warcraft called Shadowlands. And as a decade-plus addict to World of Warcraft, yes, I'm back in. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's every expansion I come back. I eventually wane, my attention wanes, and I stop my subscription fee, but I always come back for the expansions. It's like coming home. It's like coming home, and I have the same group of dudes that we've played the games together with since vanilla, since the since it first came out, and we always come back and we we level, we play some end game, and we get really hardcore for several months, and then ultimately life intercedes, and I take my off into another shiny thing, and I'm gone until the next expansion. But man, I love WoW still, and it's still it's it's still the same old experience. There are a lot of new things in this new expansion called Shadowlands. It's basically World of Warcraft does the afterlife, which is pretty cool. It's like there's been a problem. There's a problem in the afterlife. Basically, there's this giant arbiter, this this uh, person who decides where you go when you die to the good place or the bad place, I guess. And uh, something or someone has done something to that that great judge of the afterlife and knocked them out of commission. So all these souls are being stolen and brought to the bad place. So you journey to the afterlife and it's kind of wild seeing the wow version of the afterlife. Also, it's basically like the real life, right? (laughs) You're still running around, jumping on mounts, killing things, turning in quests. So, you know, afterlife is more of the same, but it gives them an opportunity to do some really fun new visuals. The first area you get to is this place called Bastion. And I'm telling you, it is the most beautiful version of WoW they have done. I mean, it looks utterly stunning. Uh, It's just beautiful palette of color, um, angels and mechs and sort of an anime influence. It's wild. And the second area you go to is Maldraxxus, which is like, demons and bones and giant statues of skeletor looking things and it's wild and then the third place you go to is like midsummer night's dream it's fairies and wisps and that kind of stuff uh <laughs> it's, it's like all these different versions of the afterlife and it's the most linear that world of warcraft has ever gotten i mean it is they have fully embraced the idea of telling a story from A to B. Uh, Whereas previous expansions and really the game as a whole was more like you would go to a place and you'd learn things and each little area has its own mini storylines and you can pick up quests here, you can pick up quests there. And yes, there's a kind of an overarching story for the expansion that you learn and that plays out over a course of all the patches and all the end game content. And yes, all those things add up to a big story, but it's it's also got all these little sort of mini stories in it. And this still sort of has mini stories, but ultimately it's one big, long linear progression from A to B. And that allows them to do a lot more cutscenes, a lot more uh, delivery of, of story content. I mean, we are in full on, you know, you're in a specific place with lots of other players and then you're phased into a version just for you to tell you a specific story that can change the landscape, 
can change, you know, what, what characters you can see or not see. And they've been doing that for a while, but I think they're doing it at a, at a level now that is far beyond what they've done before. And it really is about telling this grand story over the course of playing through the expansion. And another big part of Shadowlands as, uh, as an expansion, or as, even as the pre-patch to get ready for the expansion, is it completely changes the structure of the entire game. They did a, a level squish uh, where they compressed everything down. When the game first launched in whatever year that was, 2004, whatever that was, when WoW first launched, uh, level cap was 60, and each expansion that has come out since uh, upped it a certain amount. I think we were up to like 120 or, or even higher. I can't even remember at this point. But they squished all that back down, so now the level cap is 60 again. So um, all that content is still in the game up to level 120, but the the levels themselves are denser, and you have to do more to level up. So things are, you know, it, it's a very different kind of experience, a very different kind of game now, only leveling to 60. So my level 120 character was only level 50 when I logged on um, to start Shadowlands, and then you you do 10 levels. So I've seen most of Shadowlands at this point. Uh, I'm level 57 right now and uh, moving briskly through it. And it, it's, it's you know, it's wow. Uh, the end game is going to be a, a big difference. They're changing up how the end game works, and I haven't quite got there yet. But I'm definitely enjoying the leveling process and playing through this big epic story and, and you know, doing wow again. I mean, it's, it's, it's put on an old shoe in a lot of ways. That has some shiny new parts and some new upgrades, uh, and I think it's a really solid expansion. It's it's kind of wacky in a lot of ways, in the sense that you're in the afterlife, you know. And there's a lot of explaining of like, well, you know, how is there an afterlife in the sense that I die many times in WoW, <laughs> just keep coming back? <laughs> and they kind of explain that, right? They do. They take pains to have a an in context, in lore explanation for that, like which basically boils down to. You're special. <laughs> Everybody else <laughs> dies, but you don't. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, at least they, you know, pay lip service to that concept because it's like, well, there's an afterlife. But every time I die, I just pop back into my body. Um, so anyway, I'm back in WoW and it's same as it ever was, but also new and shiny. There's they have ray tracing now with the shadows and it 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 looks real good. I mean, the game looks looks beautiful for for its art style and how old a game it is. It is a really beautiful game, I think. I mean, it doesn't stand up to, you know, Demon Souls on PS5 or Assassin's Creed Valhalla or anything, but but in its cartoony aesthetic, I think it is beautiful and vibrant and I love being in that world and I love doing what I do and wow, it still works. It is it is a a formula that has stood the test of time for sure for me. That's um, awesome. More importantly, Jake's 32 says like an upgrade from in game to get the uh, Spider-Man. Oh my God. Christian. (laughs) Let it go, buddy. (laughs) Um, My, my, my wow question for you, Jeff is, is it, and I don't mean this to be dismissive. Is it fun or is it comforting or is it both? Does that make sense? It does make sense. It is a question I have thought about um, because usually I, I can't 
remember specifically, but it, it seems to me that each time the WoW expansion has come out, it hasn't been at the end of the year when all the other games are coming out. <laughs> I feel like WoW expansions historically have come out when I've had time to just focus on the WoW expansion and I'm not pulled into Assassin's Creed and all these other things as like comparisons of like, how do I want to spend my time? Do I want to spend my time playing WoW or do I want to spend my time doing other things? And so because I'm having so much fun with Assassin's Creed, for example, I go, well, what do I want to spend? I have, you know, two hours while my kids are napping. Do I want to spend it in Assassin's Creed or do I want to spend it in WoW? And this week, almost exclusively, I spent it in WoW. It was the new shiny. All my friends were playing it. I want to keep up with the Joneses and make sure that I'm, you know, leveling alongside all my friends. So I played a lot of WoW, but I did have that exact question on my mind of, is this fun? <laughs> and the fact that I don't have an easy, quick, clear answer perhaps is telling, but I, I, there is a fun to it. It is a lot of rinse and repeat. I think the focus on story is interesting and provides a level of fun because it is cool to see the unlock the next cutscene and see the next big story beat. I don't think the story is amazing. I mean, it's not Miles Morales level of story. It's not Last of Us 2 level of story. It's not even Assassin's Creed level of story. It's it's you know broad high fantasy, you know the high septon of comatose is, you know, ups- it's, it's, it's a lot of that high fantasy kind of sort of nonsense gobbledygook, but I buy into it. I have a good time. Um, the actual playing of the game is still, wow. Right. It's still watching your, your, ta- your, uh, your ac- action bar and waiting for your cooldowns to be done and <laughs> doing the next thing, <laughs> doing your progression trying to be as efficient as possible with your progression of skills. And there's a joy in that. And I think when I get to end game, I mean, end game is really where it's at. It's really what tests your level of skill. And that's the fun Uh, playing through the, each expansion is this like, do what you're told, go to a place, do the next thing, go to a place, watch a cutscene, go to a place. I mean, but I guess you could sort of reduce all video games to that in a certain sense. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I am enjoying it. I guess that's the answer that I'm looking for is I am enjoying it. I think that's all you can ask. It, it, I mean, it is, I, I think also like comforting can be enough, right? Like yeah. if it's, that is also enjoyment, you know, it's like uh, we watched home alone on Friday, home alone one. It's like, we tell the kids not to after Thanksgiving, then we can watch it. And <laughs> I, I genuinely enjoy that movie. I think it is uh, a masterclass on so many levels and, and it's efficiency and storytelling and, and the things it does. And, the performance of Macaulay Culkin is just, if you think about all the child actors we've seen, um, I mean, he carries that film on his back and just knocks it out of the park. But part of the reason why I still love it is also it's comforting. Like, is it good? I think so. And I think I can like talk <laughs> about it, but at the same time, like it's the holidays we're watching it, you know, <laughs> like, right. uh, I made the joke to my wife. I was like, I can't wait for, uh, Next year we can add Die Hard too. You know, <laughs> how old is this kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to watch Die Hard. It's still holidays. Um, yeah, but I think well, it's interesting I, you know, with these games that are thirty years old. I'm exaggerating, but <laughs> you know, well, like, I mean, half that. It's certainly half that. Um, I think to put a more, a more um, interesting point on it. I, I think ultimately, when I reflect on what is fun in video games. I think 
what I respond to is interesting decisions, right? Is what I enjoy about an interactive experience is juicy, compelling decisions. For example, in Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Which you can have upgrade bu- to the Ultimate Edition by pressing L1 on the <laughs> screen. It's easy to miss. A decision to be made. Do you buy the, the upgraded <laughs> version or not? No. You, are, you, know, you have this abundance of powers in the middle of a, a big brawl. You have so many different ways to take down bad guys. And I love the experience of improvising my way through fights. Am I going to yank the weapon out of the bad guy's hand and swing it around and smack him? Am I going to leap into the air and swing myself? Am I going to charge up my venom power and run across the field of battle and smack him with my venom power? All these things are at my disposal. What decision do I make in the moment? There's also macro decisions like I'm swinging through the city. Do I stop and stop the crime? Do I, what do I do next? Do I go and do this? Do I go and do that? There's all these decisions at any given point. There are the micro decisions, the granular decisions of which button to press in the moment to have the fight, to execute the fight as most efficiently. Which enemy do I take down in which order? All those things are granular decisions. And then the macro decisions of how, what, what goals do I set? What, quests do I take on? How do I swing around the city? What flippity do do I do on my way to the next objective? All those fun little decisions in the moment. And I think video games as a whole are all about, for me, really fun decisions. And it's the same with tabletop games. It's, it's about like making cool decisions and thinking about it and making those, maybe they're fast, maybe they're real kinetic decisions, like in a fight in, in Miles Morales, or you know, strategic decisions like in civilization or a tabletop game or whatever. Um, And the reason I bring that up is because with WoW, there are still lots of decisions to be made, but at a certain point, at least how I play, and I think is how most people play, when I'm leveling, I'm really sort of stripping away a lot of the decisions. I'm just going to the next quest marker doing exactly what needs to be done and cycling through my progression as efficiently as possible. And so in a lot of ways, it's meditative and you kind of remove the decision-making process. You're just sort of playing through, experiencing the world, seeing the cool new sights, getting a cutscene, but going and fighting the the characters isn't like a Spider-Man fight where I'm making these granular decisions, it's more like engaging the enemy, stepping through my progression the same way I did with the last enemy, waiting for something to go off cooldown and using that thing. And it's, I'm kind of not making decisions. Now, there are lots of decisions in World of Warcraft. Specifically, if you play PvP, there's tons of decisions to be made in a fight like that. And in Endgame, when you're actually trying to take down bosses that are super challenging and you have to figure out how, what's the, you know, what's the the trick to take down this boss, you know, where do I stand? Where do I not stand? All those are fun decisions and learning the, the fights, learning the, the dungeon, learning the, the boss fights. All those are decisions. But I think in the leveling process, I'm kind of not doing that, which is why it's the long, very long way for me to explain why it's harder for me to answer. Am I having fun? 
because sort of how I define fun in video games is the decision stuff. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I certainly, you know, I've never been, uh, super into wow, but I can relate to that. Uh, I feel like I can relate to that experience where it's, I'm going to do the thing as I've done the thing a thousand times so that I can get to the next thing to do the same thing again that I've done a thousand times. Yeah. But I do enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, to some extent yeah. and not to make Andrea or others that are more into destiny or Anthony mad, that's kind of what destiny was for me for a time where it was like, sure. I yeah. know what I'm doing. I do the thing to get the thing to do the thing. Now I have the thing. Now I'm going to go do the thing again to get the thing to have the thing and I have the thing. And now I'm going to do the thing again. And like, yeah. But I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah anyway i'm still playing wow 15 plus years later and that's uh, amazing yeah i mean it's it's a wild thing to have that kind of a relationship with a game world you know and and to oh yeah revisit that you know you take a year or two off of a game and then you come back to it like that's really the only game like that for me i don't have game any other games that are like that that i've had that long of a relationship with i mean i guess you could say mario games you know but it's not like going back to the same mario game it's going back to the same sort of loose vocabulary of mario games but i mean this is the actually the same game and it with the same people and i go to the same places and i'm playing the same character and i revisit stormwind and you know all these locations that i know it's a it's a strange and kind of beautiful thing that I, I don't think I'll have again. I don't know of another MMO that'll ever capture me like this one. And I hope this game keeps trucking along. And even if it is repetitive and rote to a certain extent, it it's a part of me. And I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. All right. Well, that was a lot. Uh, I do have one more sponsor <laughs> I need to tell you about. And that's Headspace. Oh my gosh, speaking of a lot, if uh, things are a lot, the world is a lot. Everything is a lot right now. Headspace is the a possible antidote to that, or at least a possible uh, help with that. When life is stressful, like it is for everybody right now, you need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. And that's what a Headspace is all about. It's your daily dose of mindfulness and they do that in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Now, this is something that I got into right as COVID was starting. I, I had been wanting to get into meditation for a long, long time. I'd always wanted a way in. I had tried it a few times. But I figured, you know, Headspace was an app that I'd heard people talk about and talk positively about. And I figured if I had it on my phone, I would probably do it more often. And that's actually turned out to be true. And Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So it can really actually make you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. You can just, it just helps you breathe. It just centers you. And having it on my phone has helped me be consistent. And really, that's what it is. It's about taking time to just check in maybe be guided through a meditation, just a short period of time in the day where you're not overwhelmed by everything else. It can reduce stress, improve your sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is the meditation made simple. Go to 
headspace.com slash DLC. That's headspace.com slash DLC for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash DLC today. H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash DLC. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Khalif Adams, it's always so much fun to talk to you, man. Thanks for being here. You know I love you, boys. You know I love you, Brent. And love it's you always too, great to be able to rock with you all and hang out with the wonderful folks in chat and everybody in the community who always are amazingly kind and, and always uh, give me massive amounts of love on the socials. So, again, Massive love to you all, and, and I'm excited to, to be here, and thank you again for having me. Of course, of course. We we love having you. Can you tell the folks where they can keep up with you and all the wonderful things you do online? Oh, my goodness. We have a lot of cool stuff that's coming. You can find us over on the Fanbyte Network. Uh, we have moved over there in the past couple of months. Uh, they snagged us and picked us up. But you can find all of our stuff in all the usual podcast places. Any, any podcast apps that you have there, you'll be able to find us there. Uh, Wednesday nights, you can find us at twitch.tv slash spawn on me where we record our live shows around 7 p.m pst uh youtube.com slash spawn on me is we can find most of our new content there as well um and yeah we're doing something pretty cool i have gotten permission to take over our new basement in our new home to build out spawn on me 2.0 yeah i'm really excited about continuing to to figure out how the internet works in a basement and that's pretty great uh, to figure that stuff out uh, while trying to make the 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 studio of of my dreams to be able to bring you bring you all this wonderful content. So, uh, well, yeah, I have seen video of this space, and I am extremely jealous uh, that you have all that room. It looks like you're going to be able to have uh, a real a real studio, man. It's going to be awesome. I'm I'm excited to see what you do next. It's really cool. Shout out to my electricity bill. It's going to be dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. No joke on that. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? We're just plugging back into reality, man. That's going to be... I had a nice... Just trying to upgrade that Spider-Man is what I thought you were going to say. No, I figured that problem has been solved. I can't... What a roller coaster of an episode this was for me personally. Yeah, um, yeah. I need to thank Jack. <laughs> we all we all were brought along that ride, however unwillingly. Uh, it was like you. a Miles Morales web line to the top of the tallest building with a L3 dive on the way down with a web line saving you at the very last minute. Mm-hmm. And then someone yelling, hey, Spider-Man. And then I come back to them and dance with that person. It was that <laughs> moment for me. Um, Twitter's the best way, at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And also um, get lights that don't get hot. I'm sure someone's told you this before, but um, the color tone stuff might be a little different than like actual kind of other studio lights, but it will save you. It will save you in the end. Thank you. I mean, I don't know. I like sweat. I like watching sweat on, on YouTube videos. So, yeah, I, 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 you, do what you, you do what you want, but I like sweat. Hey, guys, uh, I'm going to be playing Spider-Man and cooking ribs off these lights. Uh, let's tune in. <laughs> uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Lots of other shows for you to check out if you're so inclined. I've got a movie and TV show review show called The Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. On that show... I make limericks uh, as reviews of movies. 
And you can order a limerick your very own for any reason, maybe a holiday gift for a loved one or yourself, uh, or for any reason. I sell them over on Cameo.com, Cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata is where you find me. You can see examples of uh, messages I've, I've done for people. It's really a message of any kind you want. I just happen to focus on limericks because that's what I do. Uh, I also do a show about science that we make funny. It's called We Have Concerns. We talk about science and uh, laugh along the way. You can check that out at wehaveconcerns.com. I do a long-form Dungeons & Dragons show called The Dungeon Run. I'm super proud of that show. Uh, Long-form storytelling, really cool serialized, like it's our own Game of Thrones. Check that out over, uh, uh, well, on YouTube really is where you should find that. You can find it as an audio show as well. Either on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts, you can search for The Dungeon Run and you'll find us. Or you can tune in live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. And then finally, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time, uh, I'm streaming a, uh, a show about sports, football, uh, for the fan-controlled football league. Uh, and uh, Khalif was on. He was just on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Talking about, uh, talking about sports with us. It was, it was a blast. Uh, you should check that out on Thursdays, 3 p.m. Pacific time twitch.tv slash fcf for fan controlled football all right that was a lot but we're gonna wrap the show up now with our parting gifts hey give us a suggestion of what to do this week give us a parting gift this is parting gift khalif do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week I have two really yes. quickly. Uh, the new Kevin Hart comedy special is brilliant and fantastic. I love stand up comedy and getting a chance to see Kevin Hart talk about not only the world that we live in due to COVID, because he had COVID. He basically did the show in his house. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Like, I saw the ad for it. It was like li- <laughs> in his living room or something, which is like 12 times larger than any mortal's living room. But yeah. It is unreasonable to have a full comedy stage in your living room. Well, he's yeah. also kind of short, in your house. so it might, it might be a normal. I'm kidding. That was a oh, they tilt, they, So you basically said that they tilt-shifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> look how they shot the hobbits in uh, Lord of the Rings, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's brilliant. He's talking about, you know, dealing with COVID. He's talking about, you know, political correctness. He's talking about a whole bunch of different things and he's it was actually really really smart and witty i'm usually not a big kevin hart fan but he actually kind of killed it this time um and and the david letterman i've been loving the david letterman special uh that he has i think it's on netflix as well uh where he's just kind of going through and doing these these wonderful interviews with folks he's a master at his craft and he has been forever uh especially if you're an old person like me uh who appreciates his work i mean he had a chance to sit down with dave Chappelle in his hometown and who is also one of the best comedians on the planet um, and getting to see Dave just be as brilliant as possible and be as humble. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is a cool thing to see him grow into the human being that he's grown into uh, having watched him since his youth uh, back in New York and, 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 and all the stuff that he's done. So those two things you should definitely check out and, and, and check out while you're uh, looking for stuff to watch tonight. Yeah. I, I loved that. Dave Chappelle interview, man. It was so cool. And so good. It, the thing that's so great about those Letterman interviews is they're like long form with like people who both respect each other, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's peers talking. It's not like interview e interviewer. It's more like this conversation that you're kind of a fly on the wall for. It's, 
It's pretty good. Although the Robert Downey Jr. one was a little awkward and weird, but uh, I did <laughs> love was. the Chappelle one. Yeah, it was. I mean, Dave, the thing I really love about it really quick is that Dave fanboys a little bit. Yes. He's like, he's legitimately in love with Chappelle's standup and he's like, can't stop talking about how great he thinks he is. It's cool. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Christian Spicer, do you got a parting gift? I also have two quickly. One, if you're on the main menu of Miles Morales on PlayStation 5, (laughs) (laughs) down at the bottom in tiny text, it says L1 to upgrade to the Ultimate Edition, which then takes you to a screen where it's $20 to upgrade to the Ultimate Edition. Well, there you go. This isn't in the store It's almost like we wasted everyone's time talking about it. No, this is an important PSA because there's no way that I'm the only person. Like Spidey himself would make this PSA about this um <laughs> l1 i still stand by my statement that the playstation store is still uh a mess um for this new generation the second one that i forget if i've mentioned already but it works because a new issue is out and it's phenomenal batman the adventure continues which is i believe only digital book and if you're reading it on a computer screen on a computer screen it's great because it is like 16 by 9 or if you're on a tablet turn turn the tablet and it fills it nicely but it is Batman the Animated Series continuing in comic book form. Um, Deathstroke, Paul Denny, it's it's that team. And it's so good. And this last issue is um, Deathstroke came to town, who's new to this um, universe that wasn't in any of the Batman Animated Series comics. And there's also some longer mystery that's building. Um, it's, it's so well done. It's one of the best cartoons, best shows of all time. And the comics have been great over the years, too. But seeing this official continuation has been an absolute treat. So I recommend Batman. The adventure continues. I have a suggestion for a show that just premiered on HBO Max. Hopefully, I don't know how many people have HBO Max. I do because it comes with my cell phone subscription, I guess. Anyway, uh, it's a new show that just debuted three episodes. I watched them all back to back. My wife and I decided to just give it a shot. The Flight Attendant. Whoa, this show is cool. It's got that uh, that actress from um, um, uh, Bazinga. Uh, what's that? The Big Bang Theory. Um, oh, yeah. She plays a flight attendant, the titular flight attendant. Uh, and uh, she's like this party girl flight attendant and then kind of gets wrapped up in this bigger plot. I did not see coming. And, dude, we're hooked. Like, the the mystery of it is really interesting it's it, I, I'm, I'm into the show, man. I'm into the show. I, I hope that it continues on this pace. It's going to be one that comes out once a week. You know, it's not a, they release three to start and then every Thursday will be new ones. So hopefully it, it lives up Ooh, for the nice. first three episodes, but I'm digging it. I'm digging it. It's called the flight attendant on HBO max. It's a max original. We also have a listener suggested parting gift. This comes from Kyle who writes into DLC feedback at gmail.com. Hey guys, a few years ago, My brother and I, along with our wives, decided every second Sunday to get together to hang out and play board games in order to keep in touch more. With COVID this year, we quickly switched to virtual hangouts, and having PlayStation Share Play has been invaluable. It allows us, in one-hour increments, to share our screens and share control. Since we started these now-weekly virtual hangouts, we've played through Full Throttle, Day of the Tentacle, Grim Fandango, Until Dawn, Man of Maiden? 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 I don't know that game. Uh, And others. Currently, we're playing through Resident Evil 7, and it's near perfect quality, even when it's my turn to play it streaming from my brother's home. This has been a great way to stay in touch over the past few months, and I highly recommend everyone give it a try. 
That comes That's from Kyle. Awesome. I yeah, what a cool way to hang out without being in the same physical place, and you can still do you know life or level or whatever. However, you swap off uh, control. That just seems like a really clever idea. Good job, Kyle. Thank you for suggesting it to our audience. Hopefully, uh, people will take advantage. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Khalif Adams and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thanks to our live chat hanger-outers hanging out with us live as we do the show. We, We appreciate you. We also appreciate every single one of you who downloads the show. Thank you. We are grateful for you. And we'll be back next week. Until then... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.